and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today I'm chatting with Anthony Power of Pilgrim in Liverpool. And the word that stands out from my chat with Anthony is fun. Anthony has been involved with a lot of projects and businesses and life adventures and he describes them all as fun. And I believe him. He exudes a palpable appreciation of life and the many opportunities he's been offered and seized in both hands. He's worked in Canada, New Zealand, Mexico, London and now Liverpool. He was one of the first 30 Mobros who launched Movember back in 2003. He's also authored a cookbook and was a founding member of Root and Bone magazine. He's back in his hometown of Melbourne for one of those opportunities, a chance to work in with Chef Paolo Alotta from Herbivorous Nights, Orlando Marzo, 2018 World Best Bartender, and Lena Berry Sommelier. This gun team are, over two weekends at the end of March, curating a pop-up seven-course tasting menu at Youngbloods in Fitzroy, inspired by the ancient pilgrimage through France and Spain called the Camino de Santiago. I can guarantee that those four nights are going to be a whole lot of fun. Hi Anthony, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so I'm sitting in, this is Youngbloods, is, is that yep. right? Yeah, that's in the, in the Rose Street Market. Yep. And um, you've got a restaurant in Liverpool, it's in the Duke Street Market, is that? Yeah. That's, is that just a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, I think it is just a coincidence. But um, yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, obviously right next door and connected to the Rose Street Artist Market, which is a bit of an institution here in, uh, in Melbourne. And Adam, the owner, uh, I actually went to high school with. So that's ah, the kind of connection okay. of sort of how we loosely got involved in, in doing the pop-up here. Yeah, nice. Because um, I've been reading a bit about you and it's hard to know where to start because I feel like you, um, you know, you're just saying you're doing life administration. I feel like you would have to because I like you were, uh, you're Movember, you're a writer, you're a chef, you're, you know, a part, a, a co-owner of a business in Liverpool. So um Let's start at the beginning, though. Sure, that's fine. Because you're from Melbourne originally. Yeah, from Melbourne. Grew up in the eastern suburbs, uh, out in uh, Doncaster and Park Orchards. Uh, and then kind of left, sort of left just after sort of high school and university. In the early 90s, I actually went over to Canada in 1992 and pretty much spent 10 years living in the mountains of Canada and New Zealand and snowboarding and trying to pursue a career or just pursue a hobby and, and, and my passion for, for riding a snowboard and wow. stuff like that so um, and then I realized that uh, um, my I confused ability with ambition um, and decided probably get, better get away from it before I hurt myself so. so that's when you became a chef yeah that's kind of yeah I pretty much I sort of fell into chefing I'd sort of started I'd worked here in Melbourne at universities you know like a, in a couple of pizza shops and as a dishwasher and then over the course of that 10 years all the ski towns there was restaurants where I sort of started as a dishwasher and then sort of worked my way up over the years but working in restaurants allowed me to ski or snowboard all day and then I'd get to go to work at night and get fed because yeah. you were at a restaurant and of course living the life of a ski bum you pretty much have no money yeah. um, so it was a great job and then it was just kind of after years and years I just sort of kept going into it and, and moving my way up through the kitchens and yeah and then came back to Melbourne in the kind of late 90s around about 2000 and got to work with um, a really talented chef here in, in Melbourne uh, Matt Waldron uh, who has a restaurant down in Hawthorne and he kind I've of really I've spoken re- to him yeah I have you really yeah. Yeah. Lulo he, yeah Lulo yeah. Yeah, he, so I'd worked with him a few times as a pizza maker at this Italian restaurant um, in the early 90s 
and then came back and worked with him in the kitchen and he kind of really it was him who sort of really showed me what food could be and what chefing could be and, and it made me realise that it was it could be more than just a job to support myself while I was snowboarding and, yeah. and so yeah it was, I was very fortunate to work with a very talented guy who I call Obi-Wan Kenobi pretty much because he's like a Jedi <laughs> Jedi master to me that's cool I love that I love it when I hear um, chefs talk about people that I've spoken to as well and that they're important yeah. to them and he's um, his flair is for Spanish cooking as well is that where you got your passion for it or was that no that actually no because when i had worked with him it was at an italian restaurant oh, okay. actually, in melbourne but um yeah he's 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 i'm actually going to sing after this interview to, yeah. to be honest to talk about some spanish food but he's um his wife's colombian um right. and he's kind of he's just he's one of those chefs that i reckon you could drop him into a japanese restaurant and he'd take it and run with it he's just he's, he's just brilliant and he just he's one of those life in the blood chefs who just has the passion for it non-stop it doesn't turn it off he's always constantly doing thinking about food and stuff like that so um but yeah that's why i'm going to see him tonight actually is to pick his brains on a couple of little things yeah because um, you've um spent time in mexico as well yeah I, that was kind of uh <laughs> some very colorful times in mexico but i kind of in between the winters i um, actually used to plant trees up in like pine trees up in the forestation industry in British Columbia up near Alaska um, so to make your money and you yeah. can make enough money to ski all winter without having to work sometimes uh, but you'd go, I'd go to Mexico in the off season for like kind of two or three months in between worked at a couple of little restaurants there when I say restaurants I'll pretty loosely more like a kind of beach barbecue kind of place but um, yeah got to work with some really cool Mexican chefs and yeah had a lot of fun there too are there, because um, I feel like we often say Mexican and Spanish as though they're, they're the same thing and they're not, but are there these links between those yeah, two I, cuisines or not really? Well, I don't know. I think probably, I think there probably is, I, this is going back in the, in the kind of mid-90s, so I know Mexican food has certainly had its time in the sun now, globally. It's, and it's not just, you know, slinging tacos and stuff like that. There's mm. some, I mean, there's some fantastic restaurants in Mexico City as well. Some of the top restaurants in the world. In the world, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, but I think, well, I mean, I think, you know, the, obviously the, the, the tomatoes and stuff like that have certainly influenced um, the, the Europeans and, and the Spanish especially. Mm. But I don't know, I'm probably not, I don't know, I don't know if I could say that there's a, a real link there. But no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking we people no, think uh, just, they speak Spanish, so therefore yeah, exactly. <laughs> similar, but um, not really. But no, they've, yeah, they've got... Um, Oh, they've certainly got a love of food and beer, I know that. So that's, but then again, I think everyone does. So. <laughs> that's right. So how did you, um, how did you get to Liverpool? So, oh, a very, very long, long story, as, as most stories are. But I kind of, I'd been, I moved to London in 2005. Um, like a, a lot of foolish men followed a woman to, to the other side of the world, only for that to go terribly wrong about a couple of months after we got there but um I ended up working I was chefing there for a little while but just before I'd left a couple of my other high school mates um Luke and Travis are the two guys who came up with the idea for November um so we'd done the first couple of campaign 2003 was the 30 guys in the pub just up the road here on Brunswick Street and then 2004 was kind of a little bit bigger a lot of the surf and skate industry who Trav and Luke both worked for it all sort of got behind the cause and then I moved to London in 2005 and um, that's when it sort of started to really pop here. And then kind of over the next couple of years, um, 
it, I guess all the backpackers that were here, you couldn't, you couldn't avoid it. I mean, I think in the 2006, 2007 in Australia, you know, everyone had a moustache. It really went like wildfire. Like wild and um, so I was lucky enough that one of the uh, other four, there's four founders of Movember, one of them uh, and his family moved out to the UK to, to set up the UK campaign. Mm. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to step out of chefing and into the moustache factory, so to speak, and became and, yeah, and, and worked on the uh, UK and Irish campaigns for a couple of years, doing all the events um, and the sort of business development and community development and running the campaign with, uh, there's about four of us who did it, and then we expanded into Europe, and I ended up running the campaigns in the Netherlands, Belgium, Czech Republic, Finland, uh, and, and a little bit of Spain as well. That's huge. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was incredibly fortunate. I'm, I'm, yeah, very, very lucky to be a part of something like that. So, and it was an incredible amount of fun uh, and incredibly humbling to see, to watch the world get behind this yeah, right. crazy idea of growing a moustache. So, yeah, 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 I love it. It's, it was fantastic. Incredible time. Yeah. And, then, and then that, I kind of had done everything I could kind of do with November and stepped out of the, of the, in 2017 and went back into cooking and started a consultancy company and was doing some events and a chef I'd worked with had met this other guy who had walked the Camino to Santiago and had this idea for a pop-up in London um, that, you know, the, where the menu follows a, the distinctive trail or the, the exact Camino and the produce found along the way. So we did a pop-up and then we were trying to find a place to do something a little more significant, a bit more of a residency. Couldn't find anything. We were kind of falling at all the wrong hurdles and having trouble finding good, good contracts and stuff like that. And then... Um, Someone told us about this Netflix show called... Well, it was called... It was the BBC who originally did it, but it was called Million Pound Menu. Mm. So we applied for it and somehow just kept getting through each stage of it and ended up going to Manchester and doing a two-night pop-up, on, which is on Netflix now, I think. And, yeah, we were offered investment to open our restaurant in Liverpool. Wow. So what did you have to do for that show? So we... The first... It was... Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty crazy. It was just cameras all over you and microphones all over you, but which is it's real weird. I mean, we didn't really... The whole idea of reality shows is a, it's a hard one to get your head around. But we basically had to... Um, so our concept was part of the international food concept. So that basically you put together a business plan and a pitch video and document, uh, and there's about 15 um, of the UK, UK's biggest sort of food entrepreneurs and big restaurant groups... Um, seed funders and stuff like that um, and they liked our concept so we had to go and present one of our dishes to there was four investors who were interested in our concept we had to go and cook a dish and talk through the business plan and what we thought uh, and from that they chose there was three of us in that stage they chose one of us which was us pilgrim uh, and then we went to a couple of weeks later we had to go to manchester and do a 50 seat pop-up lunch and uh, dinner and lunch where the investors would come along and we sold tickets to the public um, and come and watch us in action, see what they talk to the guests and see what they thought of the food and the concept. And then we'd have sort of one-on-one interviews with these investors where they'd sort of pick apart the business plan and the financials and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, and we were lucky enough that um, there was a, a, a guy from called Matt Farrell from the Graffiti Spirits Group who is a very, pop, a very successful uh, bar and restaurant group up in Liverpool and they're like look we're building this new big food market called Duke Street Market we have a flagship restaurant up on the top mezzanine 
it's kind of yours if you want to come in. So, wow. so we all packed up sticks and moved to Liverpool. Yeah. So now we're in Liverpool. So that's. You don't have the accent though. <laughs> no. I actually, you know, it's funny. I actually have trouble understanding a lot of people in Liverpool. <laughs> it's like Glasgow. It's just like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <The> tricky ones. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's some, most people, are, I tell you, what, it's, the accent's really tough. It actually reminds me a lot of Australia. There's some of the most friendly people. Like after being stuck in London, not stuck in London, but after being in London for 14 years, you really, you know, it's such a massive city and it, it really is very impersonal. And then moving to London and moving to Liverpool, it's a bit like I've been here for five days. Everyone says hello to you. And, yeah, right. and in Liverpool, everyone talks to you and it's, it's really refreshing. So it's, it's, it's a great city. And yeah. Yeah, we're kind of we're enjoying it. So being a flagship restaurant, um, how, what, how many seater is it? So it's a, about a 50-seat restaurant yeah. um, up on the top, on the top floor of this. The, the market's a beautiful market. It's, it's, uh, there's six vendors downstairs. It's not street. It's, it's kind of elevated than the next step up from street food. It's, um, there's table service. You get your food on plates and there's cutlery and, and there's a wine bar and a cocktail bar. Um, so it's not kind of like a, a street food market. It's a little bit more elevated. So it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's doing brilliantly well. And, and, yeah, we've got this amazing open kitchen upstairs where we, we cook everything we build a, a custom hearth like a big uh, live fire hearth so we cook everything over um, wood charcoal yeah right which is incredible it's just the the flavor profiles we use spanish whole oak which is the oak trees that uh, grow the acorns that the iberico pigs eat they use to make uh, jamon and we use a mixture of English applewood um, and sweet chestnut wood as well and wow. some charcoal so these flavour profiles um, that you get from different woods and smoke is it's just phenomenal yeah, so wow. it's, yeah it's a lot of fun it's very hot in the kitchen can be very hot in front yeah. of the fire but it's you know we can tell from the, the feedback we get from the guests is that they haven't really tasted anything so that's meat and veg cooked yeah, over there yeah meat veg fish it's, it's huge we can cook you know we can cook a whole lamb over it um, We've done whole beast, our roast whole beast Sundays for where we cook a you know a whole pig for the Sunday roast kind of thing. So it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. And so you're on the pans there, or are you? Yeah, I have been. Well, I am again now. I was spent the first four months uh, in the trenches, sweating. I think I lost about four kilograms in the first two weeks that we opened because the fire was just. Mm-hmm. We were still try, trying to figure out, you know, which was. The old, the old, sort of the um, optimum temperature for the coals and stuff like that. And of course, we were busy for the first two weeks, so we were sort of overcompensating. So we just were feeding this fire full of wood. Yeah, yeah. And just sweating, literally losing like four kilograms. So yeah. I was in there for about four months, um, and then stepped out of the kitchen um, until about a month ago. Yeah. Where I've sort of been working on the, the marketing side of it and doing some of the. Um, social media and, and also looking at some of the other events, external events and stuff yeah. like that, festivals. And um, I read um, Grace Dent's article in The Guardian and she described it as having swagger. So yeah. what, what does she mean by that? Uh, that's, I don't know. I think it's, <laughs> it could have something to do with our business partner and the founder, Jimmy. Jimmy's... Uh, he's, I don't, everyone questions if he has any buttons on his shirt because it's usually un, unbuttoned all the way down to a, to a belt buckle um, and he's got long hair so he's, uh, he's, he's got a bit of swagger to him so I think, I think that could be where that comes from um, either that or it's just the fact that we're I mean I don't know we've, the three of us there was three of us that started it uh, myself, Jamie, uh, Jimmy and, and Dave um, but Dave's unfortunately um, he's left and had to go back to London um, but 
we've yeah, I think we we're a bit older than a lot of the younger kids that are in the yeah. game downstairs and stuff, so we've kind of not infamous, but we've certainly got we certainly you know we work hard and we play hard so yeah i think that certainly comes across in the in the restaurant and the way we run it well so far everything that you've talked about um you've said it's a lot of fun so it feels like that's the way you approach life but um oh absolutely which is amazing because because being a chef and working in hospitality is hard work um but i guess if you have that approach that it's fun and you're doing with mates then that helps yeah it does look there's no doubt about it it's it's a, a it can be a brutal job um but it, I think there's, there's something about it. Um, you know, one of my friends, a very well-known chef in London, has just started this pilot art campaign, which is a, a mental health in the hospitality industry charity. And, and we're, we're talking literally last week about how the, the people that work in hospitality, you know, everyone says the chefs are crazy and they're all you know, nut jobs and all this sort of stuff. And same with you know, some of the bartenders and... And it's, does hospitality drag people to it that have kind of got a bit more of that, I don't know, sort of a bit more crazy and a bit more energetic and, and loose, I guess? Or do people become like that after working in hospitality? Yeah. Um, but chefing especially, it's, it can be a brutal job. Um, but I think it's every single chef, there's a reason why they go through it. It's such, you know, people put chefs up on pedestals and it's become a bit of a rock star kind of a job in the last 20 years where, you know, in the 80s it really wasn't other mm. than Marco Pierre White but chefs do it because they love it, you know, yeah. and they, they sweat and they give up their holidays and weekends and their life to do, right. to do this job so they clearly enjoy it yeah. And, and yeah, I think if it's not fun then you shouldn't be doing it. No, exactly. So tell me about what you're doing here at Young Blood. So here we've got um, we're doing a pop up um, with actually Paolo, the my chef's just chef collaborator is out the back there. So we're going to do a seven course tasting menu um, called uh, based on the Camino de Santiago. Paolo is Italian uh, and an incredibly accomplished chef as well. Um, so he's <laughs> he's hiding up the back there. Um, so we're doing. We're going to follow uh, the Camino Roma, which is um, it's the first stop is Rome, and then it goes north up through Turin, uh, and then cuts across France to a t- little town on the French side of the Pyrenees called Saint Jean Peter Port, which is the kind of starting point for the most famous and well travelled Camino, the Camino Frances. Mm. So from there it goes up over the Pyrenees uh, down to Pamplona, which is famous for the running of the bull, Burgos. Um, which is very famous for its morthia, the blood sausage, uh, and then across through Lyon uh, and over to Galicia. So the seven-course tasting menus going to follow that Camino um, and, and sort of feature some ingredients and, and, and sort of styles of food that you'd find along the way. Yeah. Uh, and all sort of uh, culminates at Santiago de Compostela is a town in, the West, in Western Spain, in Galicia, where St. James was buried um, in the 9th century. So, and in, in Galicia, when you get there, if you've walked the Camino, the, all the bakeries put out this Torta de Santiago, the, 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 the uh, St. James Tart, which is like an almond cake. Uh, right. And give that out to, to weary travellers as a kind of a reward for yeah. walking 500 miles. Yes. Um, which is, you'd want to have a lot of cake for, for the reward. But, um, so, we, yeah, so our dessert will be a play on that as well. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing. So, yeah, it starts... Not this Friday coming, the Friday after, and um, we've got that the, fo- sorry, the following weekend as well. So yeah. 
How fun! That sounds good. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're really excited. It's it's been uh, like I've it, I've only just met Paolo yesterday, um, and we have Orlando Marzo, uh, a local. He, he's obviously Italian, but he was crowned world's best bartender in 2018. But it, in the Diageo, it's, he's mixing up. I think he's got four non-alcoholic cocktails and three alcoholic elixirs, um, but. I mean, I can't even describe them. He's, he, they sound absolutely phenomenal. So he's mixing up those drinks. And we also have um, a young gun guru sommelier called Lena Berry, who, um, again, I haven't met Marco or Lena yet. I hope yeah. I'm meeting them this week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of... It was through... When I told Adam I was keen to do something, he was like, oh, you've got to talk to Paolo. He's, you know, does some brilliant stuff here with these Herbert Voice Nights. Um, and then just through that, all everyone sort of... All the pieces have fallen into place, and it, I think it's going to be. I'm actually a little bit nervous whether or not I'm up to the to the standard. But it's kind of like it's just, yeah, it's one of those. It's very humbling that you can do a few emails from the other side of the world, stitch together something like this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm incredibly excited. We're all really pumped about it. And, yeah. But it's fun. It's good, good to have those injections along the way of something different as, as well. I think for everyone to come together. And um, I think the word collaboration is used um, is overused these days. But I do um, see the benefit of, benefit of collaborations when it um, does bear that kind of fruit. So, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I think so. Yeah, you're right. The collaboration is, you know, what's now called collab. Yeah. It's even got a short and cooler version of a collaboration. But it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think... It, I don't know what this would have been if, if it hadn't have involved these other guys because I would have literally landed now and it'd be you know putting it together myself kind of thing and I, and I think it I think it translates well to yeah you know, the, uh, but I the, guess I mean you can do that kind of thing when you have um, networked over the years and and been involved with so many different things I guess you do know people that know who know people and so on I think exactly. that's the beauty of it isn't it and, um, yeah 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 I think so. yeah like. Yeah, very. Like I say, I'm just very lucky. Mm. These guys are guns. They're absolute guns. I've seen, like they sent the pictures through of their, their food, and I'm like, oh, God, mine's a bit more, not quite as refined as yours. <laughs> I'm going to do a bit more live fire barbecue, and they're like, no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.